you will, go ahead and be turning your Bibles to the book of Philippians, to chapter 2. We're going to be beginning in verse 19. Philippians chapter 2, verse 19. Such a pleasure to be able to come back and for us to study together from God's Word. You may have remembered, may have forgotten, that we're studying on Sunday nights from the book of Philippians. Uh, last week, Brother Aaron presented his lesson. Two weeks ago this evening, we studied the question and answers for the month of October. Three weeks ago, Brother Aaron, our Brother uh, Brandon preached. So it's been four weeks since we've studied from the book of Philippians. I think this is a great book. It reflects a letter that Paul wrote to brethren while he himself was in prison in Rome. So many aspects of that reflect his uh, prospects for joy and enthusiasm in a life that was not necessarily one that was pleasant. He was also writing to brethren who were not necessarily living a life that was uh, filled with all kinds of pleasantries within it as well. But Paul's focus was on the good things that could be accomplished. I've entitled this lesson, Tremendous Teamwork. And I'd like to ask you to begin with, what is the value of teamwork? If you start thinking about a person doing a job, is it better with teamwork? Well, notice with me, I'm going to begin with the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 4. I want you to listen to what Solomon writes. Then he said, I returned and saw under the sun, there is one alone, without companion. He has neither son nor brother, yet there is no end to all his labors, nor is his eye satisfied with riches. But he never asked, for whom do I toil and deprive myself uh, of good. This also is vanity and grave misfortune. Now listen as he focuses. Two are better than one because they have good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls for he has no one to help him. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. How can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. I want you to think about what Solomon just said. He described, for instance, a man who was alone and striving. He said there's no end to all of his labors. He never gets finished because he never has enough help to accomplish that. He then compares this situation to a man who might would fall and having someone with him to help him up. A man who has a job too difficult for one to do that two can do. He talks about being warm. What is the value of teamwork together? It's so much greater when you have a group of people trying to accomplish something. When you think about the key of teamwork being having talented trustworthy and tireless team members. People who are working together to try to accomplish a great good. But now how does all that apply to the church? 
Well, I would like to suggest to you tonight that as you and I study Philippians chapter 2, beginning with verse 19, we're going to see teamwork. We're going to look at uh, the people in this passage. We're going to look at Timothy. We're going to look at Epaphroditus. And then we're going to try to think about some things that will apply to us. So let's begin by reading verses 19 through verse 24. Paul says, but I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. But you know his proven character. That as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once. As soon as I see how it goes with me, but I trust in the Lord that I myself shall also come shortly. Now, Timothy is such an important person in the New Testament. If you think about all that Paul did with him, all that Paul did Because of him, you begin with his conversion at Lystra in Acts 16, verses 1 and 2. He was well spoken of by the brethren at Lystra and Iconium. We learn from reading Paul's letter to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5 that it was because of the genuine faith in him that dwelt first in his grandmother Lois, his mother Eunice, and in him as well. Timothy was a good young man who had been trained well by his mother and his grandmother. As you go further in chapter 3, verse 15, he says, And from a childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise unto salvation. From your childhood. You know, I am so thankful for the way I was reared From the time I was a little bit of child, I was always at services, heard all of the sermons, sat in all the classes. I look at some of these real little ones that are coming into services, and I smile when I see them. I'm thrilled because I know that these same little children are going to get that kind of teaching like Timothy had. But as we think further about Timothy, he frequently served with Paul in a number of areas. What this text tells us is that Paul would dispatch him shortly. Paul was interested in trying to use Timothy. Paul's in prison. He can't go at will. So what does he do? He sends people like Timothy. Paul said, I have no one who is like-minded, who sincerely cares for your state he said they all seek their own but timothy is different he's not self-absorbed he's not it's all about me he's like paul tell me what you want me to do and i'll get it done for you paul let me go to the brethren who are in philippi or if you're reading the book of first timothy let me go to ephesus and let me serve there you know when you read philippians 1 and verse 15 He says, some preach Christ even from envy 
and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preached Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. When you start looking at people, you see people who are in it for the right reason, and you see people who are only in it for what they can get out of it. Timothy is in it because he loves people. Paul would say in chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, let nothing be done through selfish ambition and conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Timothy was the kind of person who would say, I'll do what you need done. That's the kind of person he was. And Paul says he has a proven character too. He's proven himself just like a son serving with the father. He served with me wherever I went and whatever I needed. You know, there's a great benefit of having family. Because family can stand with you. And a family can stand uh, and help you do a job. And he said that's the way he served. But then notice what the text says about the work of Timothy here. Paul says that he will report on their state. Paul could not go to Philippi himself personally to see how things were going, but he had someone who could go and could listen and learn and correctly, accurately report back to Paul their state. So if he needed to follow up with another letter, he could. You think about the letters written to the churches of the church at Corinth and those multiple letters. You get a letter and you find out They didn't receive it the way you thought they would and they didn't make the changes that they needed to make. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1, Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it to be good to be left in Athens alone. Send Timothy, our brother and minister of God and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith. Oh, Timothy's the man that you send. Verse 6, But now that Timothy has come to us from you and it brought us good news of your faith and love and that you always have a good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us as we also to see you. Timothy not only went to teach, but he brought back a message of how the church was doing. In 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 10, And if Timothy comes, see that he may... Be with you without fear, for he does the work of the Lord as I do. Timothy was a good man and a faithful servant. And when Paul got the message back from Timothy, it's just like Proverbs 25, 25 says, As cold water is to a weary soul, so is good news from a far country. I've got to imagine when Timothy comes back and he says, Paul, look at the brethren at Philippi. You thought they were great brethren. They are great brethren. You thought they were working hard for the Lord. They are working hard for the Lord. What a refreshing message that was. 2 Corinthians 7, 6 and 7, Paul said, Nevertheless, God who comforts the downcast comforted us by the coming of Titus. Whenever you're discouraged, you're going through a difficult time to get good news. Paul is in prison now, and what do you want to hear? You want to hear the church is doing well. You want to hear the church is progressing. 
But now, if you will, let's go to verses 25 through 30. And we're going to read about another brother by the name of Epaphroditus. And Paul writes, Yet I considered it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother, my fellow worker, fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need. Since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed he was sick almost until death. But God had mercy on him and not only him but me also. Lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore I sent him the more eagerly. That when you see him again you may rejoice. And I may be less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord and with all gladness and hold such men in esteem because for the work of the Christ they came close to death not regarding his life to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. Everything we know about Epaphroditus is found in the book of Philippians. It's not like Timothy that you can read the book of 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians and 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy and uh, 1 Thessalonians. Epaphroditus, all we learn, we learn about him here. In chapter 4, verse 18, he says, I indeed have all and abound, I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. Epaphroditus was the person who brought Paul the things that he needed. I don't know what all Paul needed. He probably needed some financial help. He probably needed some food, may have needed some parchments upon which to write. Epaphroditus is the one who brought all of that to him. But here, as we read the text... There's a description of his role. He is described as a brother. That means he's a fellow Christian. Paul describes him as a fellow worker. You know, when you start thinking about people who will go and do work, that's who Epaphroditus was. He was a fellow worker. And then Paul uses another figure, that of a fellow soldier. He's ready to engage the battle. To those who are at Philippi, that would have some real meaning. Many of the retired military settled in the area of Philippi. And to say that he was a fellow soldier would have certainly drawn their attention. And he says he's a messenger of the church. The original word there is apostolos. He's an apostle of the church. He's the one that you sent. You chose him to do that. But I guess the one that grabs my attention is the one where he says he's a minister. And the original word there means he performed public service at his own expense. When you think about someone doing a job, many times they need help to be able to do it. Like Paul many times though, he provided for his own needs while he was preaching the gospel. Epaphroditus is not a man who's in it for what he's getting out of it. Epaphroditus is in it because he's wanting to be able to serve 
even at his own expense. But we learn from the dedication that he had here that he came close to death. Paul says those people like that, they're the ones who are giving. He didn't even regard his life. When you have a man who's willing to serve at his own expense, he's willing to put his own life on the line, that tells you a lot about the man and about his character. But the truth is both Paul and the church at Philippi were emotionally attached to Epaphroditus. They loved this man. They were concerned about him. When Paul says he was longing for you all, he wanted to go home. He wanted to be with these brethren there. Paul said he was sick almost unto death. We're not told what kind of disease he has, but he did recover from it. Paul said in doing so, God had mercy on Epaphroditus and Paul by sparing him. The church would rejoice in his return, but Paul said we ought to esteem such. We ought to hold such men up as uh, something worthy of our time and our attention and our appreciation. But now all of that was to bring me to this idea of the principles today. I sat in the class just a few moments ago that Brother Allen taught, and I've got to be honest with you, I was really impressed. Over 10% of our attendance this morning was in that class tonight as we talked about doing personal work. And there are good people today who are serving on the same team. We're working together as a group. We're not as just ever one as individuals as trying to carry the load by ourselves. But you look at it as a, a cooperative effort where we are all trying to work together. Brother Allen, one of the points he made, and I sat there thinking, is he going to steal my whole sermon? But uh, that we need to be encouragers of one another. We need to be the kind of people who feed off of one another's enthusiasm. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. We need to be the kind of people who promote and bring out the best of one another as we try to do the work of the Lord. You know, I watch some of these television shows where people are working uh, maybe on this undercover boss and you get a group of people, they're all griping with one another. You know what happens? The work doesn't get done. On the other hand, you see some other guys who have a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of, of uh, desire, and that also becomes infectious. It causes others to want to do well. We need to be the people who put the good of the church ahead of our own. Paul, when he looked at Timothy, said, I don't have anybody like-minded who sincerely cares for your state. What makes us the best team members is when we care about the Lord, we care about His church, we care about one another. You listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 28. As Paul is rehearsing a number of things that goes through his mind, he says, besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches... You know, there's things that deeply concern me, and about those things I pray. 
I ask God's blessings. I hope you're praying for this congregation. I hope you're praying that the work that we attempt to do will be successful. I hope you're praying that the Lord will open doors for us. In 3 John, verses 9 through 11, he said, I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves the preeminence among them, does not receive us. Therefore, if I come, I will call to mind the deeds which he does, the prating words, malicious words, and not content with that, he himself does not receive the brethren and forbids those who wish to in putting them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. He who does good is of God, but he who does evil has not seen God. Those of us who are striving need to realize working together, we're pleasing God. We need to keep our focus on the mission that we have. Our mission is to teach the gospel to the lost. As I mentioned this morning, Mark 16, verse 16 says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. Romans 1, 14 through 16. I'm a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise. So as much as in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also for the Greek. And then listening to Paul's letter to the Ephesians. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into all things into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by whatever joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causing the growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. We each are a part of this teamwork. And if for some reason one of us is not doing our job, it makes all the rest have to work a little bit harder. But if we work together with Jesus being the head, following the directions that he has, then we will be able to speak the truth in love and cause the church to grow. As I try to summarize this, how do you view yourself as a part of the body? When Paul wrote the Corinthians, he made a very profound point in chapter 12. He's talking about the miraculous gifts and their attitude toward them. He's trying to get them to see themselves, though, as not individuals with a miraculous gift to be uh, celebrated, but as having an ability to work together that the whole body can be edified and built up. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit were we all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, where the slaves are free and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. And the foot should not say, or if the foot should say, because I am not the hand, I am not the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, 
Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole body were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now each one, or now God has said, the members, each one of them in his body, just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. Paul's looking and saying, each of us have something to contribute. Each of us can be a part of the team. Each of us can be doing something to make the Lord's church grow and do well. What are you doing as you're part of the teamwork to promote the Lord's cause? Are you a Timothy? Are you an Epaphroditus? What are you doing in the Lord's cause? We all have a great task. It demands our loyalty. It demands our devotion. And what that means is, is that the Lord's going to need some people to step up and take on new tasks. As I was thinking about the teamwork, and I think about so many other illustrations that one could use, I think about as, as we've lost a number of people over this last year or two. Some people, each of them had their unique talents and abilities. I guess because Brother Jim Slatton passed away just so recently, I thought about how many times he would call me and say, Brother Tony, I've got a, a Bible study set up for us. And I've been thinking, who's going to be the next Jim Slatton? Who's going to be the next one who will put the effort out to say, hey, would you be interested in a Bible study? Who will be the next one who will try to, to do the things that need to be done? And then I thought, some of you sitting here are going to be the next one. And some of you who are thinking about becoming a Christian are going to be the persons who are going to be stepping up. May not be this year, may not be next year, but you're going to be the person who is saying, I know I need to become a Christian. And I know I need to be there ready to contribute, ready to do something. What you need to do tonight is you need to make your decision, I'm going to become a Christian. You do that because your faith in Christ, repenting of your sins, and being baptized for the remission of those sins. If you're a Christian and you need to come back home, you need to be restored to faithfulness, you need to be ready to get busy in doing the work of the Lord, we can pray with you. What a great privilege we have tonight. If you need to come, would you come as we stand and sing number 107?